podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratocast. My name is Dale O'Donnell, your host, and I'm speaking just hours after Manchester United's 4-0 win against Liverpool in what was a pre-season friendly. Now, if low points from Solskjaer and Ragnick's reigns come from the harrowing defeats against Liverpool of last season, losing not just 5-0 but 4-0 as well at Anfield, this at least shows that Ten Hag is starting on a brighter note. And I may be clutching at straws because there's not really too much you can take away from these pre-season games. I, I suspect that what we see in today, which was um, very, very positive, that we could see easily see some inconsistency there in performances because these players are, are not at the the level that we expect them to be when when the competitive games come so <clears throat> it'll take them all a while to fit into Ten Hag's plans it's not going to be plain sailing in the sense that what we've seen today was fantastic and it's just going to go from here to the top there'll be some bumps along the way there's no doubt about that so Manchester United won 4-0 goals scored by Jadon Sancho Fred Anthony Martial and Fasundo Palestri. Now, some of the kind of takes that we took from the game on strategynews.com kind of originated from Ten Hag's tactics and his approach to, to, to playing against Liverpool. Now, Jorgen Klopp has kind of had slight digs in the past about the way United have approached these games in the past, saying kind of since he's arrived in Liverpool that Manchester United have never attacked him. Now, I'm sure you could go back and look at some of those games and see where we hit them on counter-attacks and so on, but I, I get his point, and I suspect that with Ten Hag, that will drastically change. And I think we've seen a bit of that in the first game <clears throat> on pre-season, that Manchester United played with a high press, their full-backs were pressed high up the pitch, and they weren't being pinned back like they usually would be against Liverpool in a competitive game or pre-season. Um, as well as that, the... The, the players that were assi- assigned to roles in centre defensive midfield um, in that department, they were kind of dropping in when the centre backs were, say, pushing forward. And that was something a lot of people on Twitter picked up on was the the centre backs and how adventurous they were and, you know, aggressive in, in going into that kind of final third almost with, with Eric Bally's case. Um, but we'll get to that shortly. But, but the... The, the tactics, yeah, it was clear to see that the players knew what they had to do. Um, that was an immediate improvement on what we've seen last season under Ragnick because throughout his duration, I think you could only say for 45 minutes or even less than that at Crystal Palace, that the players, had act, they showed signs that they were going to buy into what Ragnick was doing. And that was short-lived, like I said, only the first half. Um, the second half, the players then quickly trying to tell it and said, not Ralph, we're not, we're not doing this. That wasn't the case today. There'll be a, there'll, the manager has a, a right to be more assured because he is the long-term manager. He hasn't got those problems that Ten Hag had or teething problems that he German might describe them. But there were, were definitely encouraging signs that, like I said, the players know what they had to do. Um, it's drastically different to before where United would sit back we're not going to see that in games and it's, there's definitely going to be a lot of risks taken in games. When I mentioned the, the centre-backs being adventurous, in theory, that might really excite people and think this is great. In the Premier League, I'd imagine that's going to be 
a little bit problematic at times for Manchester United. Um, and Ten Hag might be able to weigh out that it's it, it's better for us than, than it is bad. There might be a few problems, but in the long run, it might be better for us. And we'll see over time, but you, you don't want your centre-backs being pulled apart, especially in big games. And if our centre-backs are passing the ball and looking for the next pass and running into the, the opposition's half, um, they could be easily pulled apart by some of the better teams. So that's just something to watch out for. It wasn't a problem today. Like I said, Liverpool, um, like Manchester United, when it comes to fitness levels, they weren't quite at their peak. They were miles off it. Jurgen Klopp has been speaking after the match, kind of saying that the game came too soon for him playing Manchester United and they're, they're more used to kind of lesser profile games when they're starting their pre-season tour. But as I wrote on the blog, um, which you can find on, on straightynews.com, it's, you don't get um, games bigger than this. So, and, it, and it's very rare that Manchester United take take on Liverpool in a pre-season friendly. It last happened in 2018, like I said in the in the podcast earlier this week, in front of 100,000 fans in Michigan. So that was a record-breaking attendance, by the way. Um, so yeah, this this is rare. To, and it was just basically Klopp coming out with excuses, which I thought was quite pathetic because this is a pre-season game. I'm not on here gloating about beating Liverpool in a game that means nothing. And, and as for the trophy that was, that was dished out after the match for the um, the Bangkok Century Cup, it was uh, the most pre-season looking trophy that you would ever see. It, it, I think it even had a button that, that made the lights light up. It was like a cake and a stadium built around this this trophy. But yeah, some of those trophies do make their way back to the museum at Old Trafford and become like mantelpiece kind of furniture, kind of furniture, which is interesting. Yeah, and why not? You know, it's 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 part of the club's history that they're traveling to these fantastic stadiums across the world. And if they can take a little bit of something back um, and show it off for, for, for many years to come, it's we're not saying that it's a it's it's a trophy that we're we're going to celebrate by any means but <clears throat> it's just something token gesture and nice for Ten Hag to get off to that winning start against Liverpool and to see what it means to fans across the world as well as that of course going back into the game some of the, the highlights which I'll touch on in this short podcast Darren Nunes came on the second half and he he looked a bit more like Andy Carroll than a Uruguayan king um, if you ask me he missed an absolute sitter near the end of the game um, in an open net and just looked like more of a clearance than a shot on goal to be honest um, Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal held their own in midfield when they when they came on in the second half obviously if, if you if you watch the game you, you would have noticed that in the first half Manchester United played with a much faster tempo created a lot more chances they did give away chances but the point was that it, it wasn't just a, a, a stage of domination for Liverpool where they got their own way <clears throat> the whole time which we've seen last season Manchester United held their own but in that second half when Ten Hag made some changes he brought on some young players and gave them, got them the opportunity to get some minutes under a belt. Um, I thought it was really encouraging to see Sav- or Savage and Sedan in that midfield kind of pivot role that we've seen from Fred and McTominay in the first half. Now, arguably, the two younger lads, I thought, did a better job. Sedan, for me, 
was the best midfielder we had today. Um, he had Fabinho in his pocket at times in the second half. Now that said, in the second half, United weren't as good. Um, they weren't as good in possession. They weren't as sippier with their passing. And another player that came into the fold in the second half was Donny van de Beek. And he was pretty quiet. So he didn't really stand out. But this is Donny and Eric Ten Hag. You look at the pictures around social media, he's smiling at Carrington and he, he feels like he's he's in his comfort zone again. So I don't think he'll be sweating too much about not pulling up trees today and because he, he will get more opportunities to, to prove himself. Also, Anthony Martial looked a lot leaner. Um, his pressing resulted in a goal in the first half and he led the line really, really well. Now, he's going to offer Ten Hag something different to Ronaldo, which I think a lot of United fans, including myself, in the past few months, haven't been thinking about. It was mostly our top, my top process for the past while has been he didn't work out at Seville. Um, it was a failure for him. Why on earth would be taking him back to to Manchester United? And and I, I think that's that's a valid argument, um, because Man- Martial has been around for a very long time. He's had countless opportunities, and he's not shaped into that prolific goal scorer that Manchester United need to be at the level that we're expecting in the coming years with Ten Hag. Now, that said, this might seem like gobbledygook to some people, but in theory, maybe. Anthony Martial is 26, and if you go back and you look at another Frenchman at that age, Eric Cantona, and his career path before he ended up at Old Trafford, there was lots of bumps along the way. And would accept with a kind of wishing previously that Martial would be sold this summer. He's a player that's gone down a, a similar path and he has to go now and, and prove himself. And I think there's no reason why he can't do that at Manchester United. I'm not saying go give him a, another chance just like that off the back of one game. But from watching him today, I thought he did a lot of things that were very encouraging. He pressed extremely well. One of the best players I thought United had in that pressing department. And Ten Hag can work with that. It gives him something else apart from Ronaldo. Um, and it might give him another chance moving forward. You must not forget either, before Ronaldo came back and we finished second in the league under Solskjaer, the Martial wasn't too far off leading that, that forward line. You know, and, Mar- and Rashford too was in better form. And he was scoring the goals. And there's no reason why that we can't get back to that. Now, when it comes to, to Rashford today, I thought he looked bright, but he didn't look confident. And he needs that goal. He missed a good chance in the first half. <clears throat> it was a shame. But look, I think with him, hopefully he can get some goals in this preseason tour and just get out of this kind of this confidence kind of shackle he's in. But he did look bright and he looked in good shape. So that, that's at least positive on that front. Um, but with, with Eric Bally. One of the final points that I wanted to make because this one of the standout goals for me was Pelestri's, the fourth goal United scored against Liverpool. And it started with one of those movements that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast where the centre-back would release the ball and go on an adventurous run into the opponent's half. And with Eric Bally, we know with him he's pure box office, but it was just I think he nearly epitomises this kind of role <clears throat> that we could see from our defenders this season because he's pure flip of a kind. You know, he's back to his crazy self, legitimately a mental player. And you can't say he doesn't offer box office entertainment, but I think 
really when it comes to it we can't change our opinion too much on these players because of pre-season games and Manchester United need to get back to being rootless need to get back to being rootless now in that phase of play I was talking about he stepped out of the fence and he ends up in Liverpool's box after a wild run but ultimately and we laugh at these 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 things we laugh about when they go well let's not forget there's been games when Eric Bally's done some crazy things that have resulted in goals and at that moment in time a lot of us deem it unforgivable he's a joke but it's funny how the, it changes like him at Philip Evercoin. Um but I just I would like to see less of this kind of sentimental bullshit around Manchester United I think I think we are seeing a bit of that this summer um, I just hope though with some of these players that even if they have a good pre-season tour it, it doesn't mean that they get another chance I've already said that I think Martial should be an exception to that it's basically down to the lack of options we have in that striking department so he's lucky but when it comes to Eric Bali, I think he should be for his own sake even pushing for a move somewhere where he's going to get regular football um, because he's been complaining about it for the past I don't know, five months or something, being frozen out by, by, by Ragnick. Another point was David De Gea's performance. Now, unfortunately for De Gea, he did suffer an injury in the second half, and he was one of the few players that was kept on. Ten Hag never revealed whether his plans were for De Gea to play 90 minutes or not today. Really encouraging again to see De Gea come off his line. His injury actually resulted in one of his attempts to come off his line to to win the ball back, which was successful, but he, he quickly signaled to the bench that he had to come off. And there was no talk after the game of an injury update from Ten Hag. We might see it in the newspapers tomorrow morning. Subscribe to the, the Straighty newsletter as well for updates, but you can get all the latest news on straightynews.com. Sorry, with Ten Hag as manager, we, we've spoken around the blog that there's going to be greater expectations for David De Gea. He's going to have to come off his line. He's going to be expected to play with the ball at his feet and, and bring the defenders into play and bring, hopefully, Frankie de Jong into play too. But this performance was definitely something to build on. It was better than what I expected. I thought going into this season that we would have a repeat of the Joe Hart situation with Pep Guardiola, Man City. But today, it wasn't as bad as I as first feared. Um, when he came off his line to win the ball, he was he was doing it at the right moments. And even some of the journalists on Twitter were commenting about it because they were, they were shocked to see it. Now, we knew that Ten Hag was going to have asked, asked this of, of De Gea. And the reason why I guess people are shocked is Spain manager Luis Enrique has been extremely outspoken about De Gea and why he doesn't get into the Spain squad because he's not seen as a modern goalkeeper who carries out these duties. Now, I'd imagine surely Enrique, from working with De Gea previously, has at least asked him or requested him to, to do these things. Now, whether De Gea at the time refused to do it or not, I don't know. But... You would think that maybe with these performances that he might be able to work his way back into that Spain squad because he's going to be United's first choice this season. And um, it definitely lessens some of the doubts that I have, which I still have because it's only one game, that next season we could be in the market for a new goalkeeper. So that's it 
for this podcast. It is just a quick match review. I wanted to go through some of the points from the game. And I hope you enjoyed the one we did this week already with Sean. To support the Stratycast, we need you to sign up to the newsletter. Because that's where we're going to have our base of all our subscribers. And sending out our latest shows and our latest snippets and columns and editorials and so on. Our first game, the preseason tour, definitely went to plan. We got more than what we expected. We got a 4-0 win over Liverpool, which is always a pleasure to watch. But with the performance, it, w- it was encouraging. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the lads can offer again next time out. In three days' time against Melbourne Victory, who interestingly this week announced the signing of former Manchester United winger Nanny. So we look forward to that. And we don't know Nanny be in the squad to take on United but we will see in due course again make sure to stay updated with the latest United news at straightynews.com Sports Social Podcast Network